Hey everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening in. I hope you're caffeinated as I am. Just got my coffee and we're gonna have a fun chat today. We're bringing in a new guest, first time guest. Gives me a lot of pleasure to welcome Chelsea Yip, UX researcher at Coinbase, to our little podcast here today. How you doing, Chelsea? Hey, Alec, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here today. I'm, I'm really excited uh, to talk to you because you're one of the few people, you know, as I'm sure you may have noticed, there's a ton of people uh, who've transitioned into research from all sorts of different fields. You know, we've got people coming in from design, from market research, from customer support, from you name it, it's, it's happened. But one that we don't really see a lot is the transition that you've made, which is from engineering, software engineering into research. So that'll be a fun bit to dig into because I'm sure you have a lot of really neat perspective. But maybe where we can start is a little bit about yourself and like what got you interested in research. Clearly, this wasn't the first thing that you thought of when you were thinking about a career. So talk to me a bit about what your story has been. Yeah. So to tell the full story, I'm really going to have to back it up to back when I was still in college. So I was a computer science major and I went to a school where they really tried to funnel you into software engineering jobs because, you know, it looks good for the graduation rate and the stats and stuff like that. But I did have one professor who was so incredible and like started me off on this journey. She taught a human computer interaction class that I thought was so interesting that after the class ended, I went to her and I said, I want to continue learning this. Like, can I do research with you? And so she took me under her wing and taught me the basics of HCI and the beginnings of how that feeds into UX. And my first research project with her was studying how the design of electronic health record systems impacts the way physicians and other primary caregivers prescribe pain medication and how that actually influences the care and the subsequent recovery of those patients. That sounds like one hell of a project and one that was probably very painful to observe. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was loaded, right? And it was very academic heavy, but it got my feet wet onto how how design impacts behavior. Um, and that started me off on this journey. So after that, I graduated, I decided to work in software engineering in the beginning, since that is what my background was. It was a pretty straightforward jump. And I worked at Capital One for three years working on their Capital One banking website primarily on fraud automation and other dispute flows. And while I really enjoyed being able to create new experiences for users, I felt like as an engineer, a lot of the times we would build the feature, we would ship it, and then we would move on to the next thing. Like we'd never have any idea of how people were actually receiving it, how they were reacting, if they even wanted this feature that we had built. And that's what led me back into research, I wanted to be able to bridge that gap between the product that was actually shipped and the reaction, the reception and the experience behind it. I think it's very interesting, you know, to kind of hear that perspective, because it's one that we don't really hear a lot of. We're so focused on this triumvirate maybe of decision makers that we're trying to become a part of, which is often, you know, you got the product manager and you got the designer and we're trying to squeeze in as number three that, you know, influence decisions. But then there's like all these people that actually build the stuff, right? That that are kind of like left out of the, the loop sometimes in terms of like why decisions are being made and what the impact of those decisions are. So it's interesting that you kind of bring that up. Do you think a lot of engineers feel that way where they're kind of like, hey, whatever ended up happening with the thing we spent three months on last last year? 
I would say based on the engineers that I have worked with in the past, there's there's a good split between them. So it tends to be that front end engineers care the most um, because they're the ones who build out what the feature looks like. They will take a look at the analytics and see how people are using it, like see where people drop off and stuff like that. On the other hand, there are some like truly back end heavy engineers who do not care what the product looks like, <laughs> what it is, like who's using, like like they are just so deep in the weeds of the tech itself and the reliability, the stability that it's like not about the user experience in terms of what they're seeing, but more about the performance and the reliability of the system. That's super interesting. So before we dig into, because you have a talk coming up that we're really excited about, which we're going to talk about, but I, I feel like I need to pull on some threads here for my own interest. Tell me, what are the things that, if there is anything that really comes to mind that you think specifically researchers, but maybe other folks don't really understand about the work that engineers do and how what a healthy interaction or relationship looks like between research and, or people doing research and, and engineering? I think the maybe the most important thing to know is that like engineers, their time is so split and so valuable that for the most part, engineers just want to know exactly what they do. Like, what do I have to build for you to be successful? And I think what gets lost a lot of times is like design will have, you know, they'll say like this design um, and product says like, this is the business case. This is like when we want to ship it to meet this timeline. And something that gets lost a lot of times for engineers is a lot of the different, like the interoperability and the different reliances that they have. So even though like I might be able to build out like an app feature in a day, if I'm dependent on upstream data sources that aren't ready yet, like I'm not able to do anything. And I think it's just, it's what I've seen, at least from making the move into research is there's a much larger disconnect between like research and engineering than I expected there to be at the time that I made the transition. So I work almost exclusively with design and PM and sometimes um, product marketing as well. But in order to like loop in engineering into like user sentiment, like it does take an extra level of effort to say like, hey, we're doing these interviews, like we're live streaming them, please tune in. Or like, here's a research share out coming up next week. Like, would love to have you there because we know if you can get this perspective from our participants, like you'll understand like why maybe like this was a certain pain point for them. Got it. That's super neat. Is there kind of like what you were saying with that split of like half of the engineers are like, yeah, can't wait. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to showing up. And then half of them are like, are you kidding me? I don't got time for this. Is it kind of fit into those two camps? That is exactly what it is because there are engineers like I used to be was like, I wanted to know like if we look at the dashboards every morning and there's like this number of users who use our feature, like I want to know why they chose to use it that day. And then the other camp is like, a am a heads down engineer. Like if it doesn't impact the code that I'm working on right now, it's not worth me attending this meeting. Got it. That's funny. Yeah. What a world we live in. <laughs> Um, you know what? It takes all kinds. It definitely yeah. takes all kinds. So let's, let's talk a bit about, um, you know, you have, you have your talk coming up. One of the things that really stood out to me when I was looking at it and when I was chatting with you was 
you know, we talk a lot about how nascent our field is, especially in comparison to like design. But the reality is, is that even if you take it a little bit further, talk about engineering or product management, those are far more established. They've had, you know, decades to really hone in on how to make teams function and how to build stuff effectively in various different sizes. And there's all sorts of ways of doing that. Um, and I've, I've definitely wondered a lot about, you know, what are the kinds of rituals, traditions, institutions that we should have? Because I don't think that we really have it. You know, like a lot of teams have their engineering daily stand-up. What are we working on? <laughs> and that's like, that's the th- that's one of the things. And it's, you know, for whatever reason, at a lot of companies, that's an important thing that helps people stay connected, understand what's going on and, and be effective. We don't really have stuff that, we don't. you know, yeah. is that, I like the word institutional, like it's just part of what it means to do research. And because of your experience, you've enabled to work at a highly institutionalized discipline. And then you've come over to this and I'm, I'm sure you were kind of like on your first day, you're probably like, well, wait, wait, where's the, <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? <laughs> where's all the stuff that are you know, supposed to fill, yeah. fill your week and month? So tell me a bit about what that transition was like to you from, from going from that kind of a discipline of engineering to this that was basically, I'm sure felt like a blank canvas in, in comparison. Yeah. So that is actually exactly what happened. I joined Coinbase and I asked my manager, I'm like, Hey, can you add me to like the calendar invite for standup? Like what time is standup? And she was like, we don't, we don't do that here. And then I was like, okay, well my designers back when I was in engineering, like they came to standup once a week. So I was like, Oh, like maybe, maybe it's just once a week. And she was like, no, we don't do that either. And then as I, as I grew into the role, I realized like there's so many kind of rituals that, that have been built into engineering teams for the sole purpose of optimizing them. And a lot of times as researchers, we are, we're staffed horizontally. So we're working across a number of different teams. We might be the only researcher who's working with these different teams. And so there's no one there to establish like these set, set rituals. Whereas in engineering, like you have a scrum master or an agile delivery lead and they like, they run your meetings like every two weeks, once you close a sprint, they say like, let's retro on this and like, let's see what we could have done better, what worked well and what didn't. Um, You have one established product manager who drives the product forward and like, make sure that you like, don't have any external dependencies. You also have a technical lead who can help architect your decisions if you're building out a new system. And then you have like a technical program manager, an engineering manager. Like I could go on the number of like the amount of support that engineers have and engineering teams have by nature of being on a functional team is just above and beyond what researchers have a lot of times. And something else that I've noticed is that Like Coinbase is around eight years old. And so we've had engineers be here for that amount of time. And the engineering organization has been there since the beginning. But the first researcher at Coinbase actually didn't join until around four years ago. And so that's when you look back at the company history, that's only about half of the company's history. Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. Let's maybe pick one thing that we can we can share out without giving away too much. That was one of the things that you said. So, so the premise of the talk is we're going to look at what are the things that make engineering teams successful in terms of their rituals and traditions? And what are the potential equivalent things that we could or should be doing based on what we know about the practice and the challenges that we face? 
that we can modify and carry over. And so you picked, I think you picked four that I think are all quite compelling. Is there one that you can briefly summarize that you think is super important or super exciting that you can share with us? Yeah, I think I like touched on this um, in the last question. So I'll choose retroactives or retros for short. On engineering teams, they are run by a scrum master and they look back on one week or two weeks, which is a usual body of work for an engineering team. And they say like, what was our goal? What was the output we achieved? What was the output we didn't achieve? And how can we improve to get there in the future? Um, And engineering teams do this so that they're better able to predict their velocity. So they know like we can accomplish this amount of work reasonably and predictably. In research, that might not look as established because we might not have the scrum master who's able to facilitate that workshop or session. But what it looks like for me and for some other researchers at Coinbase is doing a retro after the end of a large project. And that means like sitting down with the project team, whether that was the PM, research ops, if you have them, the designer and say like, what worked well? Was it the recruitment? We Maybe we over-recruited predicting that we might have some drop-off in participant recruitment. Um, maybe it was the scheduling we knew to build in some off time in between the sessions so we'd be able to prepare. And then maybe what are the things that didn't go well? Like there were situations where maybe we like were deep diving into questions that made participants uncomfortable or like other types of scheduling things. And that's one way to look back on a body of work, look at what worked and look at the opportunities to improve. So if you or someone else on your team conducts that same study or a similar study in the future, like they're able to learn from your learnings and they don't have to repeat that from the time that they do it. I think that's, it's, you know, it's so simple, but it's also brilliant at the same time, because I think one of the things that for researchers that haven't participated in a lot of standups might take for granted is you, know, you think you get feedback from people when you do projects, but it's not the same as like actually digging into a project and getting some really well-structured and thoughtful stuff rather than kind of off the cuff or even just having one person rather than having the whole group of people that were involved, right? It's a different kind of conversation. And, you know, to your point, a lot of the stuff I'm sure that comes up in the engineering stuff and in, in my experience, it's, it's often the little details, that really matter that come through with that stuff. Like, hey, we actually needed to make a decision by Tuesday, right? And we told you by Tuesday, but you got results on Wednesday, we had already moved on, right? Or something, something that, that, again, it's a small detail. The project might have gone great or whatever, but that thing, it's got to come through. <laughs> um, and so maybe it's, we need to double check in every two days on when that decision is being made in case it changes or something like that. And every situation is different, right? Every team is different. Every individual is different. So, I mean, I think that's a one of four really great suggestions to help you be more effective in your practice with some new rituals and traditions. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for this talk for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing the rest of it, but don't want to don't want to give too much away too soon. I, I love it. I love it. It's it's uh, you know I'm gonna have my notebook out. And uh, for all the all the people that I used to work with, I'll I'll send them a link so that they can you know hopefully have a little bit of uh, cathartic something for all the mistakes that we made because <laughs> now we can talk about how how you can do a better job a little late for for the time that I worked with them, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, it's it's okay. So let's let's end off on this. I mean, 
you know, as you kind of look forward, so we're, we're going we're gonna to have this conversation, right? We, you're going to talk about four big things that we can institute in our practices um, as rituals that are, that are going to make us better. Are there things that you are thinking about, you know, beyond those four rituals that, you know, maybe we probably don't have answers for yet, but you think maybe there are higher level or bigger picture things that we need to start thinking about from a ritual or institution point of view? So I think the ones that you're going to share are going to be quite tactical regarding like the day-to-day practice. Is there anything that, that comes to mind that might be something that involves like a bigger portion of the company or longer meetings or more work or something like that that's just higher level that you think we're missing as well? I think um, maybe it's not something that could be implemented across all research teams, but something that um, it didn't make the cut for the talk, but something that I really enjoyed back when I was an engineer was the concept of pair programming. And this means like if you're in person, you can just like sit next to each other on one laptop and tackle one issue at the same time. Um, Or in our remote world that we live in now, you can do a Zoom, have someone like take over the keyboard and then one person will drive and like actually write the code while the other person will ideate. And I think the concept of pair programming is so valuable in so many ways. Like it's great for knowledge transfer if someone knows a lot and is trying to like teach someone. It's great for senior and junior engineers who are trying to like give a little mentorship and some guidance on how to write like good quality code. I would love to see more of the concept of pair programming in research and even across like all disciplines, because at the very least, it gives you one more person to bounce ideas off of and have like open communication with them and one more person to quality control the work that you're doing. So if you haven't heard of pair programming, I encourage you to look it up. It is a great concept that I think engineers will use like throughout their careers and maybe some of us can adopt it as well. Pair researching coming to you 2023. It's coming. It's it's pending. I love it. Um, cool. Well, uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining today. This is going to be a fun conversation and can't wait to get the full picture. Uh, June 6th and 7th, New York City, baby. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to meeting you in New York. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who I'm sure is all of us are very excited for Chelsea's talk and the many other amazing talks that we're going to have coming up at UXRConf, you can head over to uxrconference.com and grab a ticket. There's only a few hundred that are available for in person in New York City. So if you're interested in that, grab one right away. But we also have, for those of you who can attend in person, free, that's right, free remote tickets available. So you can uh, grab one of those, same URL, uxrconference.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot. The, the content is just going to be amazing. And we got so many wonderful speakers sharing the things that they've learned. Lots of first-time speakers, a couple of uh, veterans of the UXRCom space. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing you there. And I'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone.